0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at MarksDailyApple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at PrimalBlueprint.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have a very Longtime friend of the Primal Blueprint. He was at one of our first Primal Con events that we no longer throw, and he's an incredible primal play expert, even Mark Sisson himself has said he's one of the best guys out there to talk to about how to fit play into your life. He's a best-selling author, an award-winning author of several books, Animal Moves, Paleo Fitness. Um, He's got Paleo A to Z. He's been published in a million magazines like Men's Health, The Daily Telegraph, and featured on BBC documentaries. We have so much to talk about today with Daryl Edwards. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, it's such a pleasure to be on.
1: So last time I saw you were at Paleo FX, uh, at the VIP speaker party. But the first time I met (laughs) you was me watching you help someone push a car. Okay. (laughs) Like like that, 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 so we're going to get into that in a minute, but Let's talk about how you even got into this. Being someone who's like an expert in play is a pretty niche scenario, but you were once in investment banking. What led you from investment banking into this arena?
0: Yes. I mean, what a transition, hey? Uh, Very cutthroat environment, very lucrative career, obviously, very financially driven. And I was fortunate enough to have a very comprehensive health check annually. And one year I was told, Mr. Edwards, you are pre-diabetic, you have a really poor uh, lipid profile, um, you have a high risk of cardiovascular disease, um, you're also anemic, um, you also have problems with hypertension, high blood pressure, and the solutions offered were pharmaceutical. So take some metformin for your blood glucose, get your blood sugars to be controlled, take some statins for your cholesterol issues, and um, take some beta blockers for your blood pressure. And I was so concerned about the side effects that I just wanted to know what the alternatives were. And I wasn't really given much of an answer by my doctor at the time. But I, I do remember that one one fact I knew about lifestyle in relation to the issues that I had, was around exercise, managing blood pressure. That, that exercise could actually lower lower hypertension. The um, issues around hypertension, so I thought, you know what, maybe I should at least start exercising. Um, I was in a very sedentary job, 16 to 18 hours a day, pretty much seven days a week at that time. So not very active eating poorly, not really looking after myself in any way, shape, or form. I tried, joined a gym, started exercising, and my blood pressure improved, and my health markers started to improve. So I had a very sort of early taste as to what lifestyle could do in terms of improving my health and well-being, and it became a gateway to explore other avenues, um, including diet. So I tried a few different diets before I settled on a a paleo template. Um, so I tried calorie restriction initially. I then tried something called the zone diet, which was popular back then in the early sort of early 2000s, the early noughties. Um, and then I settled on, on, on the paleo diet, read Lauren Cordain's book. I was like, this kind of makes some sort of sense. Let me give this, let me just give, give this a whirl. And fast forwarding on many years later, decided that I wanted to do more, learn more. Um, I wanted to be able to share this transformation that that had occurred for myself purely through lifestyle without taking any pharmaceutical meds and share that with others. So that's a a kind of a fast forward uh, through sort of 15, 16 years ago now, that initial investigation around my health status right through to doing what I do today in terms of play.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, aside from, you know, adopting the diet and being like, okay, good. I'm, I'm away from this hypertension. I'm going to get out of this stressful situation. What led you into being fascinated with movement?
0: Well, I, I, I suppose I went for a fairly conventional, you know, joining a gym, thinking about functional fitness um thinking about health or longevity, not just, you know, aesthetics at that point was not my concern. Because when you're told, hey, you really have a problem here with your issue of your health, that had nothing to do with how I looked. Um it was it was down to what was happening inside. So I suppose I wanted to find out more about how movement and how lifestyle could improve my health, but I had issues with sustaining a healthy love affair with movement. And physical activity so I did do- join the gym but I was very active January February I was very active in this during the summer but I'd be rejoining the gym the following January and trying to restart that love affair with exercise and it became a, a love-hate relationship with exercise and I didn't necessarily enjoy the process I enjoyed the end results. I enjoyed beating my peers at particular workouts or seeing, you know, performance gains and feeling better and, and seeing that there was an outcome, a positive outcome based on me working out. So that was all fairly positive from a goal, goal perspective, but not from a process perspective. So I started just hating my workouts and 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 questioning whether I could sustain this for the long haul, and I realized that I couldn't. I realized that there was no way I was going to be able to maintain this work rate in terms of me going to the gym and doing it regularly enough to make a difference. And the eure- eureka moment for me was looking back in time and saying, when was the last time you really enjoyed? physical activity and whether that was dancing in a nightclub or playing as a kid, you know, or playing, you know, kick about with friends, that the fun and the joy of movement is what I relished. And I recognized that my working out wasn't quite working out for me. (laughs) Um, uh, And that playing and thinking about play, and thinking about how I could incorporate a more playful uh, approach to movement was certainly going to help me in the present. And then also having the recognition that I wasn't alone in this—you know, there are many people who struggle to sustain, um, you know, a, an approach to physical activity that they enjoy and that they want to continue to do—and um, once I realized this could be a solution, not just for me, but for others as well, let me think about developing this idea. Let me have a look into the research in relation to this. Let me combine what we need from a movement point of view in terms of our, an ancestral primal instinctive universal requirement for movement and use play theory to make that more appetizing. So really convincing myself that movement is medicine how can i make that medicine easier you know more palatable (laughs) right you know how can i add medicine to that sugar cube purely you know metaphorical analogy here but you know how can i make that medicine easier for me to swallow and so transforming or, or moving from a workout punishing, grueling regimen, which is what I was doing and trying to maintain to one which was about pleasure, fun, joy, um, meant that made a difference for me and developing a system around that and developing a methodology around that to ensure that it could satisfy You know, a a human's requirement for movement, you know, to an antidote, you know, kind of an antidote to a sedentary lifestyle, I suppose, is, is one way of looking at it.
1: So, and this is why Mark Sisson is a big fan of yours and invited you to come to Primal Con so many years ago. Like, I mean, maybe it was even six years ago or seven years ago to have you come and show the people that were at the event other ways to get involved. You're so, I mean, you seem pretty chill now, but I know you, you are extremely enthusiastic, such a positive cheerleader. There just can't even be a more positive coach than someone like you. Um, But here's the thing. So, okay, I I live in a place where now I'm indoors eight months a year, let's say, because it's freezing and I'm not going to go out and play a game of, you know, wiffle ball with you, you know, in 20 below zero weather in Chicago. So, how can people in an indoor way find fun or play in movement if it's not an indoor basketball game or not something with another person? What are some ways, you know, you teach and incorporate play into like, how can I get play into my gym if that's all I got?
0: Well, I, I think the, the, the best definition that I have around becoming more playful is recognizing that play is not the activity, but it's the attitude that you have. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that adults make uh, in terms of their relationship with play because play becomes frivolous and superfluous and it's not, it's not that important. Or You, you do it when you, when you don't want to be too serious about, about a particular pursuit. But play has been termed the work of childhood. Play is very serious for children. It isn't always laughter and fun and games you know, it can, you're, you're completely engrossed in the, in the moment. What am I going to do right now? That's going to be very fulfilling. That's going to allow me to explore myself and the world around me. And so if you have that approach to being more playful, then you recognize that your gym can be anywhere. That can be your living room, your back garden. It could be when it's, you know, really sunny and beautiful weather outside. It could be when it's freezing outside. <laughs> you know, it could be where you, you're, you literally only have a couple of square you know, meters to, to move. So the, the, being playful means you're reducing, reducing the barriers to entry, to becoming more physically active. And you're thinking about what's the best equipment that I have myself, what's the best gym equipment I have, whatever I have available to me right now, right here, right now. Um, am I by myself? Am I with other people? How can I best utilize and approach this situation right here, right now? So that, that in itself took me a long time to discover my more playful self and recognizing that I didn't have to be active only in a gym environment or only when it was hot and sunny, sunny outside. I live in, I live in London and I didn't want to be, you know, fit, only two seasons of the year, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) your
1: summer body and then your winter. body. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was like, you know, again, when I was a kid, um, we did go out, you know, it was cold outside, you know, snow, for example, if, if there was snow knee deep, that would not be a barrier to, to having a day out of play. You know, you're just thinking, let's just get outside. We'll do whatever it takes. We get cold. We come back in. We'll warm ourselves up and we'll get back out there again. You know, <laughs> so, so I, I think the, the, the climate alone shouldn't be a barrier. And if you really can't go outside for whatever reason, just think about what you can do within the space that you're in. So for me, I will create a little playground in my home where I'll say, OK, I'm watching TV. Um, during the commercial break, I'll bear crawl and pick up my remote control to change channels. I can sit in a squat for a particular, particular period of time. You know, when the character, when there's a change in the dialogue or they mention a certain phrase or there's a change of scene, I could do another, perform another movement pattern. So, you know, you, you, you're almost kind of improvising and playing off whatever you're doing at that point in time. So I think just using your imagination and recognizing that just avoiding being sedentary is what we're aiming for here. It's, you're not looking for the perfect workout. You're just looking for a way of distracting you from just sitting down and, and passively engaging with the world around you, usually using technology, right? So as long as you're avoiding being sedentary, as long as you're looking at the world around you slightly differently, as you would do as a child, as a child looks at the world around him and goes, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. Look at all the things that I can do. You know, please l- allow me to explore the world around me, guardians. You know, <laughs> That's what a child is constantly <laughs> craving for, right? Please, can you let me do this? Can you let me crawl over there? Can you let me run out? You know, can you let me do all these amazing things that my body is capable of? That's what I feel, even as adults, we still have that inner child, And if you listen to your inner child, you'll be able to access uh, limitless resources, infinite resources in terms of what you can do. So um, that's the starting point. Just recognizing I want to avoid being sedentary, which means I have so many opportunities for movement, for more movement. I got it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I want to interject on that because you you earlier mentioned you know how you were thinking about like okay, what are the ways you used to have fun in a dance club? Like one of my one of my favorite at home accidental workouts is a private dance party. There, this is just it doesn't even matter. Like I'm i I'm a former club kid, so I love to dance. But even if you're out there and you love to move and dance, well, let's say you're embarrassed, maybe you don't want to dance in public. Listen, three songs, fifteen minutes. It, that could just be some of the best movements you've ever had. Some of the most elongating, stretchy, flexible. I've done some crazy ass moves in my in my place, and you don't need a lot of space, you no. know. And it, and sometimes it's just three songs, you know. Maybe you can't get out the day because you're snowed in. That could be one way to do it, you know. Can you commit to three songs? Yes. Um, maybe you'll go for a fourth. Now you're at 20 minutes, and you've probably gotten your heart rate up and had more fun and released more endorphins than you would if you committed to three songs walking on the treadmill. So that's, that's one way. I love the fact that you mentioned that you bear crawl to get your remote. Now people might be like, all right, you know, you did, you know, write a book animal moves. So that makes sense. (laughs) But I think this is really important too. aside from standing, I say, you know, Hey, um, you're watching a TV show you could be cleaning up, kind of folding, you know, there's things to do maybe around the TV or around the house or keep your water on the floor so that you have to squat to get it. I do that sometimes where I intentionally will put something in an area where instead of bending down to it, I will squat down to get it. Again, I've just done a done a squat, essentially, I mean, these, these movements all add up, and they mean something over time. And I think that that's what Mark and you have, you know, been trying to push all this time, I mean, he won't do anything really now, that's not fun at all, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, in his in his mind. Um, And even though sometimes I do go through the motions of doing a typical gym workout. And that can be kind of fun for me. Sometimes, honestly, the best ones that light up my life are, you know, like a 10 minute two song dance party. So just want to throw that idea out there.
0: Yeah, that's a great, I mean, dance like, like no one's watching, you know, I mean, obviously a classic uh, cliche, but just think about even housework, you know, sometimes I will, I'll decide not to use the, the, you know, the vacuum cleaner. I will go back to using a brush because I'm actually going to be more, there's going to be more mobility involved in me using a dustpan and brush, right? I can reach under, I can reach over, I can, you know, again, put some music on. Um, and it's just exploring what more can I do, which is not going to take up any more time. You know, I'm going to be doing this work anyway. (laughs) So wanna make it a little bit more enjoyable, let me get a bit more vigorous movement in. And there is, there is, um, uh, an acronym called HIPA, actually, I P A, which is High Intensity Interval Physical Activity. Um, yeah, or, or intermittent, yeah, High Intensity Intermittent Physical Activity. There you, there you go. So basically looking at increasing the amount of physical activity throughout your day, just using your everyday recreational activities, your commute to work, your housework, you know, taking the stairs rather than the, the elevator and the, you know, um, you know, actively commuting all of these things, cumulative, you know, cumulatively will add to more movement throughout your day. uh, And then throughout the the week, month and year.
1: Let's talk about your TEDx talk and what that was about and what preempted that flow.
0: Well, uh, I suppose, you know, everyone has that kind of big idea in relation to to TED Talks. And and mine was about asking the question, why, given we have more information available to us on fitness, on working out, we have more gyms than ever before, we have more resources available to us, smartphone apps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, why are... Why do we have such a low level of participation? Why are we more sedentary than at any other time in human history, given we have the advantage that we have in terms of information and knowledge? And so that was the starting point. And you know, when you when I started looking at the into the into the research on this, and you realize that everything from the gym model of we thrive on subscription models we thrive on the fact that we can't have all members turning up for classes or to use utilize the equipment and 50 percent of members who sign up at the beginning of the year will never actually enter the gym again and only three or four percent will be regular attendees two or three times a week Th- that you know <sighs> What is the problem? Why why is this the case? Why do we not have this long term love affair with with physical activity, even though we know how good it feels? Many of us have that experience of that endorphin rush. We feel great when we work out. We feel better. It improves our mood. So I wanted to explore why that was the case. Why we're becoming more sedentary? Why are children not you know allowed to free roam and free ranges as I did as a kid, for example? And then knowing that we are in this state now offering some solutions as to how we can, you know, improve upon this. So a few startling bits of information. Um, Only one in 10 children in the UK meet the physical activity guidelines for, for, you know, the minimum for social, mental and physical health in the UK. And And it's only one in 20 children in the U.S., And even looking at those minimum guidelines, they're not even taking into account a lot of the activities that they should also be participating in. So it's probably much lower than that. Probably like one in 40 children in the US currently will be fulfilling their playtime, their active playtime, their physically unstructured playtime and and are thus failing in so many areas in relation to their to their health and, and well being. So that's where we, we are now. Um, we're continuing down this path. And what are we going to do about this? And children are not going to be the ones who will improve upon that. We, as parents, as guardians, as schools, as, as local governments, federal governments, we have to make a decision as to how we can improve the environment for our children. And, and for ourselves, how do we create an environment that enables us to be more physically active, which is not relying on the gym model, which doesn't work for the majority?
1: You know, on that note, I want to interject and say, you know, a thought that popped up is, you know, we're, I'm going to age ourselves here, but when you and I were growing up, um, <laughs> it was, you know, you could run outside the house even in da- I grew up in downtown Chicago, probably even in london it, it wasn 't much as of a worry of like leaving your kids alone Well now we live in this you know crazy day and age where people want to keep track of their kids I get it there 's a lot more seemingly evil situations out there um but it was so different right you know i mean growing up it was like you know yeah be home by six or whatever and you're out and you're in an alleyway you're messing with this you're doing that there are all these different movements in play and your play time and making stuff up not just on a playground you're just like out and around the neighborhood you know dicking around with your friends and that is so much less now because of safety and things like that so it's even more important yeah. that we make sure we're incorporating what we grew up our movement and, and, and our daily stuff, you know, right? Before dinner, ah, uh, you're out for a couple hours with the friends down the street. It's not happening so much anymore, right?
0: No, it it, it isn't, unfortunately. Um um and, and there are many reasons for that. And of course, it'd be great to say, hey, let's just go back to how things were back in the you know, in the good old days. That that isn't of course that's not going to happen, but but certainly we're not this is not a good place to be right now where prison inmates have more outdoor time, free time than children. You know, that's, that's the reality. You know, there are three times as many kids being admitted to hospital, admitted to the ER, falling out of a bed, than falling out of a tree compared to a generation ago. You know, there are more, you know, you're more likely to be struck by lightning than to, than to be abducted by a stranger. You know so, so even <laughs> even you know even the the concerns about what may happen to our children and stranger danger and the like, you know it's, it's, it, 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 it's it, the, most of that fear is based on us as parents and guardians and the the and the helicopter parenting, and I've, I've come across a term now the, the latest term I've heard is bulldozer parenting. Whereby it's not even just enough to be supervising and being aware of what our kids are doing at all times, but we've got to clear all obstacles out of their way. They should never, you know, be told here no. Everything should be enabled for them, and and by doing so, we we'll, we will move all hazards from them, and they'll be far more robust and resilient if that's the case. And of course, we know that isn't the case. If you if you remove risk. Uh, from children, and you remove, you know, difficult situations, and you don't allow them to resolve conflict themselves, it only sets themselves up for, for more anxiety and, and more mental health issues. And we know that's, a, that's becoming more and more of a problem for our children. So play, again, thinking about play as a kid, for yourself and myself, it wasn't just about having fun. It was also the education that was only, could only come about by that environment. You would, you would be chasing risk. That's, po- that's probably one of the, 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 the main characteristics of, of, of unsupervised, unstructured play, is that you're constantly going, hey, do you reckon we can do this? You know, what do you reckon, what's gonna happen if we climb that tree and I can't get down? <laughs> what's gonna happen if, if I create a game where I'm always gonna be the winner and no one else wins? right? <laughs> you know, you, you'll be ostracized. You'll be, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, the, 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 you, your peers will soon let you know what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable. You, you will learn yourself physically and mentally and emotionally what, what works in a social situation. So there are all these lessons that can only be learned within peers of mixed age groups where you're not being told what to do and when. And you, you're having to learn how to figure things out for yourselves, age appropriately. That's missing for a lot of our for a lot of our children. Um, and of course, there are some environments that where it isn't safe for our kids. We know, you know, it, it, there, there are some environments where you have to be concerned about what your children are doing. But there are some parents who will supervise their kids from the kitchen window when their kids are playing in the back garden. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, there are kids in gaily gaily communities that aren't allowed to leave, to get out of their, their, leave their home because of that, that parental concern. You know, you're better off spending time on a computer than you are doing anything involving any free time. So the the pendulum has just swung too far in this overprotective situation. And I've have noticed recently that I think it was in the state of Utah there was the free, uh, free range law was passed, um, to give children basically the right to be children again, to have more of those freedoms that we, that we had as kids. So I, I, think there is a, there is a bit of a push to change the environment and to say, hold on a second, isn't, why isn't it okay for, you know, two, or three kids to walk to school where it's where it's, a, it's safe for them to do so. Why why is that a, a need for child protection services to be involved? Or do you know what I mean? Like you know, people are starting to. Why can't kids play with with a jump rope anymore? You know, without you know, they may graze their knees. Is that is that such a big deal? Like you know, uh, <laughs> you know, why are we cutting down on our recess time? Why are we banning games like tag in certain ch- you know schools? What, why are we doing this? Is it, is, is this um, Is this really a problem um, for our kids to be playing games like tag? So I think there's I think there's a lot of discussion now and and laws are having to be passed now to enable kids to have a little bit more of their childhood back, which I think is a, is, is a great thing. I think it's going to be it will enable more resilient children and robust children for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, not too long ago I was hiking with a friend and on one, on the hike, there's this, uh, there's sort of a flat, um, maybe it was 300 yards worth of just pure flat. And it was one of those things. And I felt like a kid at the time and it was so much fun and it generated the feelings where I looked at my friend and I'm like, I'll race you. And we just bolted, you know what I mean? Right. Immediately. Like you would when you're a kid that shit is fun, people. That's fun. That was fun. That that We hiked for an hour, but that little bit right there, that was fun because it feels like when you were a kid. We can't forget that either. We got to get back to that. And that's why I think, you know, I love, you know, that Mark's out there doing all these fun things and you're out there. Tell us of all the people you've coached and you've worked with, what's one of the sort of like worst case scenarios that did a 180 turnaround of a, of a person who was just not in the right space and, and came to really get primal play into their lives?
0: Um, probably the, 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 you know, I always describe myself as my first client and, and so there are many people like me. So I, I would only feel, so this, this person would only feel as, as if there's value in beating themselves up and lying prostate on the ground after their workout, you know? And if they couldn't track every single metric and quantify everything that they've done, and measure everything that it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter unless that's the case. And when you actually recognize that play, as Einstein said, play is the highest form of research, when you recognize that play can be a superset of anything you can do in a work-related uh, uh, sense. So in my opinion, a playing out is actually far more beneficial than a workout. Only because I can remove limitations, I can actually spend more time exploring what I can do and not being so concerned and preoccupied about what I can't do. I'm less concerned about comparing myself to others and just thinking about optimizing myself as, a, as an individual, you know, becoming the best version of myself. And all of these kind of attributes children have very innocently. You know, they pretend to be their superhero. Even though they realize they can't fly, yeah, I'll pretend I can fly. You know, I I reckon I'm really strong. I'm going to piggyback my older sibling. They're not thinking, oh, let me just work out. Can I really lift one and a half times my body weight? You know, (laughs) do you know what I mean? (laughs) Did I do that in the gym last week? No, I haven't, so I'm not going to attempt that. They are very physically literate and capable of achieving great things because they don't have these barriers that are set on them. And so I'd say, just like you mentioned earlier about the car push that I, that I did at, at PrimerCon a few years ago. And I think it was Brad's mother who was one of the first and, you know,
1: <laughs> shout out to Brad Kern's mom. She's <laughs> and, awesome. <laughs> and,
0: um, and lots of people are like, no, there's no way it's not, you know, what are you doing? What, you know, and it's like, of course it's possible. Why, why is this not possible for, for, for her to do this? You know, of course it's possible and the, the limiting factor is purely down to self belief it's not it was not a physical limitation right uh, and so for a lot of my clients that's the realization they have is that actually we are so capable so physically wonderful uh, just the way just the way we are and we can tap into that potential without having to develop it first so you know oftentimes we delay almost delay our potential because we say, you know what? I'm not ready yet. I've got to go through this training, this conditioning before I can actually do X, X or Y or, or, or Z or Z. <laughs> and I felt that way for a long time because I was a nerd and a geek. I was not a jock. I was not – I didn't have an athletic background. I was sitting in front of a computer for, for you know, most of my teens and my, my adult life. Um, but now if people see what I'm doing now, they'll be, they'll assume that was my background. You know, they're like, oh my goodness, he's just throwing two people over uh, on, onto his shoulder. And he's, he's pushing cars and he's climbing trees and he's jumping great distances, you know, and he's sprinting after the bus. What the you know, who, who is this guy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just exploring what I can do. And I'm not getting injured like I used to when I was, pushing myself and overexerting myself and I'm fully fulfilling my physical potential, I believe now. And I feel as if it's more balanced because I'm not training at what I'm really good at. You know, I'm trying to explore everything about myself physically and interacting with my environment. So the combination of primal and with primal play is looking at primal natural instinctive movement thinking about all the things that we can do from a general preparedness point of view, but just looking at using play to make it a bit more exciting and a bit more interesting and thinking about how I can do this with others. How can I, how can I do this socially? Uh, how can I remove those barriers which are mainly telling you, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. You have to conform. Um, and yes, that, That, I think, is the biggest transformation, is a change in mindset, is a change in those activities are playful to actually anything that I can do can be playful. So even if you are in a gym, you don't have to just do your 10 sets of 10. You know, you can play around with that paradigm to make it even more effective, to make it even more engaging, to make it more likely for you to continue that and and not burn yourself out.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually one of those people that when, uh, when if I if I take a yoga class, I kind of do my own thing a little bit on the mat. I mean, not that I'm not following the moves, but I might add some moves to the moves because that's what feels right to me. So I'm I mean, I'm kind of inter putting some play into even a regimented thing because it feels better for my body and it's more fun for yeah. me. So I do that and. um I haven't gotten any grief for it at this point from any teachers, but I also just want to say too one of the things at home regarding yoga. So if you've been to enough yoga classes where you know the names of positions and what it is, there is so much free, there's just free yoga podcasts. Like don't have to subscribe. You can go on and get a quick 30 minute, you know, little power yoga thing or some kind of move and just listen to it without even watching it. I'm sure there's also videos that you can pay for and free videos on YouTube, but wow. YouTube and our internet. I mean, what a great time to be able to have some play at home, right? There's even like, you know, learn a dance move in 10 minute videos. There's so much online that even though it is technology, if you need help getting into some play moves, we've got that. But we've got you too. I want to talk about your coaching. I mean, aside from movement coaching and nutritional consultation, you are the only certified Walls protocol health professional in the UK based on Terry Walls. She's Amazing. I have to have her on the show. I can't believe we haven't. Um, And her protocol is a functional medicine approach to treating multiple sclerosis and other autoimmune conditions. Um, Tell us about how you work with others how can we benefit from you can we work with you remotely even though you're in the uk give us i mean of course we will put all of the notes to connect with you uh the show notes uh, primalplay.com is where to go to see everything uh about daryl but tell us a little bit about how we can benefit from you even across the pond
0: yes yeah, so I, I do remote consultations um and I, I i tend to work with individuals who do feel they want more of a a comprehensive approach to tackling their health issues. So even, for example, when I'm utilizing the WARS protocol with those with MS or other neurological conditions, um, they're not just looking for, you know, people who come to me are not just looking for nutritional intervention. You know, they're saying, right, we want to implement this, but what else can we do? We want to be moving in a way that's going to be reducing inflammation. We want to be moving in a way that's gonna which is going to improve us cognitively. You know, that's gonna reduce, make me more functional. It's gonna improve my, my walking gait, it's gonna improve my function and quality of life. So I think as a as a practitioner, um I'm constantly trying to think about all of the factors that will that will assist. And by looking at multi, multiple factors, you're more likely to see. To see progress, um, and I think if, if in terms of my public speaking, a lot of my a lot of my work and my research is on this movement as medicine paradigm, and looking at that research and saying, you know, did you know that movement can actually do this? Did you know movement can improve your, you know, gut microbiome? Do you know that it can in- reduce inflammation? Do you know that it can actually improve your, you know, your health markers? In a way that is often we're only, we are told, you know, food is medicine, food is the is the most beneficial and the first intervention that you should that you should latch onto. Uh, whereas actually, I'm trying to say, well, whoa, whoa, hold on a second there, <laughs> you know, there's a significant body of evidence uh, suggesting that physical activity, if done in the right way, if, if of the right type of prescription, will also give you all of these, you know, fantastic benefits to our physical and mental health so so yeah people come to me usually you know second opinion or or recognizing that maybe there are ways i can optimize this which aren't about another supplement but more probably about okay let's add that movement prescription let's have a look at your sleep hygiene let's have a look at how you're you're managing stress and let's recognize that maybe for some individuals, for example, the best way to manage stress is not to be just seeking out mindful, let's just chill and meditate. That's not always the best way. Um, and to become more resilient, to be to actually be better manage your HPA access is to have some real physical stressors to be able to for you to be better able to deal with stress. Do you know what I mean? So, so I think there there, there is there is certainly a um, I think a need to, to be aware of these other tools in a toolbox. And that's, that's what I offer with my, with my consultation work.
1: What would you say? I mean, you, 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 gave us one earlier and I'm sure we can, you know, we can think of some on our own, but what are some other sort of home hacks for movement? Like right now I'm just thinking, Oh, you know, a good one would be like to force yourself to do a movement would be like, I don't know, rearrange a closet where you have to take a box down from one shelf, put it down, maybe put it back. You know, I, I can, I, you know, my mind can go there. What are some things because you know, you know, everything and you've seen and done everything. What are some things like that? You know, I get like squatting on the floor to pick up the, you know, keeping your water on the floor, let's say versus a counter. What are some other kind of hacks you can um, give us right now that might, you know, steer our brains in the right direction of things we can even do at home or in the car or wherever we are to increase and put more primal play into our lives?
0: Um, you know what I just thought of that, that's that moment. At the end was, uh, do you know, you know, Michael Pollan and, uh, you know, the omnivores dilemma. And I mean, he's in, in search of food. I can't remember. I think was, well, that was one of his books as well. And one of his quotes is about don't eat anything your grandmother wouldn't recognize something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing him now. Uh um, yeah, if, you, if, you, if your grandmother wouldn't recognise this as food, and there's all these ingredients on the back, don't eat it. And I would kind of say something similar for movement. In other words, think about what your grandparents would have done to tackle a particular, you know, physical piece of, of, of work. So, if you're doing housework, think about you, the lack of labour-saving devices. <laughs> we you know what I mean that you would have had two generations ago.
1: Right. Like they might not have had a mop, let's say, and you have to do it by hand yes. or like you were talking about with the brush. Okay. Yes,
0: yes. So so I think avoiding convenience is probably the number one way for you to get more movement into your life. That it's, it's it's pretty much as simple as that. You you've got to take the more unfortunately it's the more difficult path. You know, you've got to say, oh I'm not gonna use the you know I'm not gonna use a vacuum cleaner, I'm gonna use the brush. You know, um, I'm not going to pay for somebody to clear my yard. I'm just going to just book out the weekend and just do it myself. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine moving moving home. Um, I remember once he, he, he asking me for help for some help. I remember saying to myself, you know, why don't you just you know just get some guys? Just you know, why are you doing this? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and, and that's,
1: Hire a couple of dudes, well, just, and then you're like, "Wait, maybe it should be me." Actually, no, <laughs> yeah. and then
0: yeah, then you're like, "Actually, no." And but you know what's amazing? Once you make that decision to go, actually, you know what? I'm going to relish this. You know, I'm going to relish this opportunity to do all these awkward, you know, hoisting huge pieces of furniture. Where you're like, "How are we going to get this up the stairs?" How are we gonna? <laughs> you, you know, your your body just goes into it, all these different movement patterns that are so unusual and your your
1: and neurological it, patterns, exactly. you know, like you said, trying to fit something through a doorway. Look, that sounds, you know, base at first, but if you really think about it, if you're in that situation, there's like some math involved, there's like, you know, spatial issue. Like there's, there's a lot of things, you know, geometry, there's things happening in the head yes. too. There's, it's good for your brain as well. It's right. Great,
0: for, It's great for the brain. So, so, you know, it builds neuroplasticity. So that's the, the, the other thing about, um, thinking about all of these ideas, what else can I do, what else can I do? Just doing something different with movement, that challenge, that change in coordination, that alone improves, you know, cognitive function, that reduces cognitive decline, that builds new neurons in the brain, just that alone. You know, that struggle you have if you're learning a new dance step, for example, you know, or learning a new movement pattern. It's like, oh, what the heck's going on? Your brain's like really scrambling to, to, to fire the right neurons and synapses to to your body to, for the body to move and react in a way that it should. All of that is really beneficial. And so I think, as well as voiding, avoiding convenience, the second would be to gravitate towards new movement experiences. And rather than just trying to get really good at one or two or three different things, and excelling at those, you're far better off at just being a jack of all trades. Your brain will be far better off for it. You're less likely to have you know repetitive stress injuries because you're not going to be overworking a particular joint or muscle. Um, and I think it's going to be it's going to be more stimulating and, and engaging. So that'll be the second tip. So first, avoid convenience. Second, kind of seek out new movement experiences. And the third, you know. I think time is a, is a huge barrier for people. I'm time-constrained. I just don't have the time. I can't find the time. So what I would suggest there is to make better use of that time. So, for example, just everyone listening, think about the amount of times you've spent watching your kettle boil or the coffee machine brewing.
1: Right. Standing yes, standing there. in front of the microwave. Yeah, you're just yeah. standing
0: there waiting, Right. And, um, you know, you may re- be waiting, what browsing your phone, say, but there've been plenty of times when you're just standing there going, oh my gosh, when's this going to come on, hurry up. I want my coffee. I want my drink. Right. Use that time to do some movement. Imagine that two or three minutes.
1: Huh. Okay. Do some breakdancing. Yeah, come on. Do
0: whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It pretty much doesn't matter what you do as long as you, as long as you do something. So, so I think, yeah, use those three strategies, avoid convenience, explore new movement opportunities and do some movement in when you have that kind of slack time when you go, Oh, you know, I'm just got nothing to do but browse my <laughs> phone whilst I wait for my coffee to brew. Like actually, you know, I'm brewing my coffee two, three times a day. That's already what, six, seven, eight minutes of movement opportunity right right there. Um yeah. Something that you know that you're going to enjoy. You may go, okay, I'm going to put some music on or I'm going to try and practice, m- get my, you know, my mature squat done or I'm going to look for that remote control and do a bear crawl like Dale suggested. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever you think is going to be, is going to feel good. Give Give that a whirl, right? Why not?
1: Yeah, you know, it's my friend and I have a joke where we're like, you know, we're we're past the age where we have like no shame about public stretching and movement anymore. Like so um, we, we talk about how whenever we go to an airport, we're like oh, about to do my airport routine, you know, um, but that's another thing too, like a hack with travel. It's like, you know what, walk around the airport a little bit it doesn't even have to be fast, but Sonder, you know, mosey, maybe do a couple squats, because you're gonna be sitting for five hours. And this sounds to everyone I know, like, okay, yeah, it's all basic, we get it. But you know what? No, we're all I've been a victim of it. <laughs> I'm a victim of this because I I'm committed to working out. Like I've always, you know, I, I can do it, but mm-hmm. I always did the same born shit, man. And you know what? The body doesn't like that either. The body's like, yeah, we are tired of this old routine. And, um, so, you know, over time, even if you're in the game of health and you get to a certain point by doing something kind of staccato, you then get to a certain level where you're like, oh, my body, is not joking around. It's not taking this. It's not a chump. It's getting, that I'm doing the same mm. thing, the same workout, the same muscles. And again, um, it's really important. I mean, I, I love swimming and one of the reasons I love swimming is it's kind of fun for me in a way because I do it with a snorkel and a mask. And so I can kind of move my, but I can do crazy kind of dance, but I could just kind of do what I want with my body. It feels so stretchy and good. And I like it. Cause it's like a one-stop shop. However, that's I can't just swim for the rest of my life and expect, you know, <laughs> That that's going to do the job because it won't. So, you know, I, even at this point, it, people say, oh, cross training, switch it up. But you, you're, you're talking about something different. You're like, I'm not talking about just new movements, new classes. We all know that's good for everybody. It's about just different movements that aren't part of some class, aren't part of some yoga routine. Just life stuff like we're talking yes, about, you life. know, like hoisting something, ba- you know, ba- bailing some hay, moving a log around just from one side of the yard to the other for the hell of it. And it sounds so dumb, but these things really add up and they really make your brain and your body somewhat stronger and younger. So that's why we're having this conversation today, even though people are like, oh, yeah, you know what? We get it. Play. We already know. Yeah, Yeah, but, but we we don't, we don't, but you don't though, cause you got to get into it again. Yeah, you're not doing (laughs) it. That's the thing. So that's That's why we're here to impress it. I want to ask you, um, you know, you are such a fun, you're so much fun in person and you're fun anyway. I'm not saying you're a dud now. I'm just saying you are such a great energizer when you're in a crowd of people and you're speaking and we're, and we're doing play with you. It is, it is so much fun and it is so energizing. What for you, out of all the places you've been, all the events you've been to, whether it was working with a group of people where you're speaking, or if it was playing a game of kickball with a kid, a stranger in London, what's one of your favorite memories of like, wow, I had so much fun with that play situation?
0: Um, you know, you can, I suppose... I would, I would be betraying myself if I said there was that one moment when, because usually every time that hap- every, every, time I'm in a situation where I can just get a group of people to fall in love with, with that joy of, of movement again, that's, that's it. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who that group is. It doesn't matter where it is. It's just when that happens so probably the best example of that would be once I spoke at Harvard Medical School, there were all clinicians from all over the world, very straight laced. They were a series of movement kind of breaks throughout the day. People didn't do anything, right? <laughs> you know, like when people are saying, "Hey, let's do some stretches." Nah, not interested. And so, and I'm, and I'm towards the end of the day and I'm thinking oh my goodness I'm, I'm going to be doing all this crazy primal play stuff like oh my gosh I can't see anyone people aren't going to get engaged with this but actually yeah of course they were because it's hey we're going to be playing you're going to be having fun so the majority of people are laughing and smiling with movements and so something like that is great is great to see and probably a second example would be Um, at Terry Wars conference, for example, I've spoken at Terry Wars conference and so there are lots of people there who really struggle with movement, lots of pain, you know, significant mobility issues in wheelchairs, have, you know, mobility aids, have assistance. And so everything about their demeanor is like, we just can't do a lot of this stuff. But seeing those people, you know, I remember playing tag with someone, he was using his walking stick. So imagine he uses a walking stick to walk, but he could still play tag with me using his stick to tag me, you know, on a, like a one-to-one tag. So something like that, you're like, oh my goodness, how, you know, and he's laughing and he doesn't feel concerned about losing his balance. He's completely in the moment. And the third example, will probably be young kids, because lots of young children, I've been to schools where there's no recess time. When you say to kids, hey, go out and play, and they're like, what do you mean? We, we have, you know, um, or they start getting out of breath and they say, Should we go and sit down now? Should we go and see the nurse? So imagine that's that, that kind of, you know, <sighs> that group of, in, of young individuals who had no exposure to just like running and just getting out of breath or playing games where they're like, We just want to play this forever. So getting a group of kids like that to play again or play for the first time and to have lots of fun and not to be asking those questions, which of course are based on, you know, adults. Fear is also a wonderful experience. So those would be the the top three of experiences.
1: You know what? I think that's a great place as well to end. I want to just say in general, and I know you'll agree with me, my heart dropped a little bit because again, if you're out there and you have your arms and your legs and full mobility, you forget sometimes, unless you're faced with it on the street and you see someone in a wheelchair, how much we take the fact that we have movement available to us for granted, if you have it available. And even if you don't, um, for example, you know I have mobility issues with a, a hand and arm disability and you wouldn't know it if you saw it, but I have to move. And do that in order to be able to continue moving, you know, like it's part of even a physical therapy, but even if you're limited, just there's, there's another way and there's more you can do and just be so grateful for any movement at all. Um And, and yeah, for those of you again, who or, or letting it go to waste. This is the time (laughs) to to, to step up and really embrace it. But how grateful to be able to move. Let's not take that for granted. You know, those people, um, like you said, who are in chronic pain and look, that's some of our listeners as well. Um, and that's why they're here. But for those of you listening who aren't right, very lucky if you're standing today, you know, wow. Let then then do something, move. (laughs) Yes. Whatever.
0: I mean, and again, I know it's, it's, of course, it's always difficult to be optimistic at all times, but the, the, you know, the fact that how, whatever state you're in, in a particular time, that there is always something that you can do with whatever limitations you have, whatever pain you're in, there is still something that you can do that will improve the way that you feel both mentally and and physically. And I, I think that's, that's really important to note, because of course I'm not, I'm not always jumping up and down, floating on air. You
1: know, know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. (laughs) I, I want to just touch and say, you know, I mentioned my arms, uh, many, many years ago when I couldn't use my arms at all, I was in chronic pain where I'm not now, but I couldn't even lift a fork in my hands. It was a disaster. A friend of mine suggested, she said, you know, you should get a snorkel and a mask and maybe you, then you can let your arms be dead weight in the pool, but then at least you can like kick around and kind of like move your body around without having like the gravity and the issue with your arms and shoulders because your arms are just, you know, floating in the water. And she's like, I see a lot of old guys who've had soldier surgery at the pools and they swim with snorkels and masks. And so like went at the time this was the only thing I could do without pain and that actually started and now I swim and I actually swim with my arms I still use the snorkel and the mask but I actually can use my arms because again over 20 years you know a lot of work and getting out of that and I'm not using my hands like I was that was giving me the issue but I I I was so depressed Daryl I could barely do anything without even when you stand up your arms swing a little bit if your arms are in chronic pain constantly it's like everything it's it's turning the key in your door you can't even like wipe yourself you know and so my refuge at that time the only thing I could do was like dead weight arms float in the pool and have that breathing apparatus and now it like really changed my life and now I love swimming so much I look forward to going and doing it but I cried so many times through my mask then Um, but again I, I just want to bring that up to share with everyone like even if you are incapacitated now it may not be forever but do what you can where you are and if you have an arm issue that might be one way to get some good fluid, great flexible movement in your body um, without having to walk or run, you know, because when you walk, you even your arms swing naturally. So it's like, you know, you kind of can't unless you strap your arms up, which I I used to try to strap my arms behind my back and then rollerblade. But even then, so there can be tension. So if anyone has a hand injury out there, uh, while chlorine does suck, this could be a great uh, rehab move for you. Sorry, I just wanted to since that was brought oh, up,
0: oh no, I think it's. I think it's really that was a really beautiful thing to share, and and just just to add one one statement to that, endorphins are a natural, our body's natural pain reliever. Uh, they're an yes. analgesic, so so of course you don't be pushing it too much, but almost any movement at all where you do get that rush, that kind of endorphin high, um, is beneficial and will relieve pain. So, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been, I've had lots of situations where movement has been almost impossible, Chr- chronic low back pain. I used to wear a corset, um, like a back brace Oof. for a very long time. So, so believe me, <laughs> you know, you don't even want to, you don't even want to breathe because it's too, it's so painful, but, um, just small bits of movement. Um, are we enough for you to start feeling okay i'll do what i can and hopefully i'll be able to progress at a, at a later stage so there's always hope
1: always hope daryl edwards primalplay.com and instagram handle i believe is at fitness explorer correct
0: that's correct. Yes.
1: Great. And we'll put That's everything correct, to connect with Daryl in the notes. Please look at his body of work and other interviews with him, et cetera. He's amazing. He's so inspiring. And we, he's been a part of the Primal Blueprint family for I feel like eight years now, minimum. Um, I know Mark is a big fan of yours as well, and I hope to see you at some events soon since you're so far, but I really had fun hanging out with you at the, uh, at the VIP dinner at Paloo FX and look forward to seeing you again.
0: Yes, I'll be I'll be there again next year. So All right, me I'll,
1: too. I'll we're gonna then, sure. we're doing it. Great.
0: <laughs> All right, great.
1: All right, thank you so a much, real pleasure. Daryl.
0: Thanks so much, El, and uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really really pleased we had uh, got to have a chat. Thank you.
1: Have a great day, everyone else. I'll see you next week. At Primal Kitchen, we understand just how tough it can be to stay on track during the holidays, and that's why we are sponsoring January Keto Month, starting January sixth, twenty twenty. You will receive exclusive keto content, daily challenges, special offers, and more straight to your inbox. No purchase necessary to participate. You will get one month of free exclusive email content from Mark Sisson, learning how to optimize fat burning and get the results you've always wanted. With Mark's daily advice, daily challenges, and emails starting January 6th, we are in this to keep you motivated and on track. Go to primalkitchen.com forward slash keto reset to learn more.